Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you for choosing to share Resurrection Sunday with us here at Elam Christian Center. Um, I'm excited to be bringing the word of God for us this morning. And today is the final day of our sermon series, The Journey to the Cross. Our very own Pastor Haley uh, put together all of the research concepts and ideas that we've been preaching from all across our campuses during the sermon series. Uh, And this morning, I'm going to be pulling from and springboarding from those ideas again today. We've been on a journey to the cross. Week one, Jesus is the righteous man bearing the image of the rejected man. Week two, Jesus is the innocent man bearing the image of the condemned man. Week three, last week, Jesus, we see that Jesus is a king dying a slave's death. And on Good Friday, uh, we see that Jesus is bearing our death so that we may have life. And today, our final stop is the tomb. Amen. Why don't you go on ahead and get your sermon notes and Bibles out? We're going to pray. God, we're thankful for all that Jesus has done, how he was rejected, how he was condemned, how he suffered, how he bore death so that we could have life. But most of all, God, we're thankful for the third day because everything changed on the third day. And so we rejoice because if we've uh, been united with Christ in his death, we are also united with him in his resurrection. We come around your word this morning with such an expectation, uh, expectation, oh God, we open our hearts and open our minds uh, and to hear, from, to hear from you this morning, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Man, honestly, this just never gets old. I keep tripping up on my words. Lord, have mercy. Matthew 27, verse 57 to 61 says this. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there, opposite the tomb. Matthew 28 verse 1 to 5 says this, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Haley read this earlier, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. God bless the reading of his word this morning. Today's message is titled, At the Tomb. At the Tomb. The thing I would like to point your attention to in the text this morning is the fact that the two Marys not only witness the burial of Jesus, but they also witness his resurrection. Now, this is quite important for a number of reasons. First reason is this. Having witnessed the burial of Jesus, it means they could not have gotten it wrong. Uh, there has been an influential argument against the reality of the resurrection that says both Marys went to the wrong tomb. Now, this is just not possible because both Marys witnessed Jesus' burial in the tomb. Second reason is this. They are witnessing uh, Jesus' burial and resurrection gives validation and truth 
to the text. You need to understand that the testimony of a Jewish or of a woman in ancient Jewish uh, society had absolutely no legal value. And so if the authors of the text were making up the story, they wouldn't have emphasized the Mary's testimony. Why emphasize the testimony of someone who at, who society at the time considered to be less than? Finally, both women who witnessed the end of Jesus' life were also the first to witness the new beginning. I remember my last day of high school. It was the year 2007. It was a long time ago. It's been an amazing year. Uh, we've had a, some incredible wins. Our volleyball team were smashing it. Our Cook Island team were smashing it at Polyfest. Uh, our Samoan group uh, made history, uh, being the first Samoan group to be tutored by its own students. We celebrated the fact that this was the largest number of students graduating from high school with university entrance. We've had an amazing prize giving already. So many of our students receiving scholarships to go to university. It was just an incredible year. But there we were on our last day of school. Five years of high school had all led to this moment. The bell had gone. Everyone had come out of class. It's time to say goodbye. But this isn't just a goodbye to our class of 2007. This isn't just a goodbye to the friends that we had. This was goodbye to high school and hello to the real world. This was goodbye to that which I had become comfortable with and hello to something that I had never experienced in my life. This was goodbye to my safety net, and hello to reality. And although high school for me was this picture of safety and security and being young and free and learning through a teacher, I was now about to enter into the real world, take responsibility for myself, and learn lessons through life experiences. And so now I'm watching uh, my high school life come to a close. I'm watching it come to an end. I'm watching this chapter in the story of my life finish up, and it's hard. It's hard to watch uh, this thing that I had given five years of my life to come to an end. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's hard to watch something come to a close. It's hard to just sit there and watch the game come to a close, and your sports team is losing. It's hard to just pack things into a box and finally say goodbye to the job that you've given 10 years of your life to. It's hard to watch the life of a loved one come to an end. Perhaps for some of you parents in the room, it's hard to see your children leave the nest one by one. Sometimes it's hard to watch your family move abroad where they will be miles away from each other. Let me ask you this morning, what endings have you given witness to in this last year? What endings have you given witness to in this past year? There's something to be said about the text this morning because in just a few paragraphs, we constantly see the two Marys and the tomb. We constantly see the two Marys and the tomb. The two Marys are watching the body of Jesus being taken down from the cross. They are watching his body being wrapped in linen. We are, they're watching his body being placed in the tomb. They're watching the stone roll over the tomb. Both Marys know exactly what it means to give witness to something that is ending. Both Marys know exactly what it means to watch something come to a close. Both Marys know exactly what it means to say goodbye to a loved one. Both Marys know exactly what it means to feel like everything you had worked for has come to an end. What endings have you given witness to this last year? Actually, let me ask you like this. What tomb have you watched the stone be rolled over? Where have you, like the two Marys, witnessed the end of something? Now, if you at all resonate with Marys who witnessed the end of Christ's life, I want to encourage you this morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, well, it's about time. Amen. 
You know what? I know these last few weeks, uh, uh, these last few weeks, I know the messages have been quite full on, and you've probably been thinking, does our pastor have a calm the farm button? Uh, I can guarantee you I do. And this is it this morning. Let me encourage you. If you, like the Marines, have witnessed the end of something, I want to encourage you with this. Number one, you've got a resurrection to witness. You've got a resurrection to witness. You see, because even though you have witnessed the stone roll over the mouth of the tomb, I'm telling you, at the tomb, you also have a resurrection to witness. In the moments of despair, you've got joy to witness. In the moments of sickness and disease, you've got healing to witness. In the wilderness, you've got miracles to witness. In famine, you've got manna to witness. In dry and barren land, you've got water to witness. Just because it looks like it's coming to a close, it doesn't mean it's the end of the story. The chapter is only coming to a close. But God isn't finished yet. Both Marys have gone down to the tomb. At the tomb, they saw Jesus' body wrapped in linen. At the tomb, they saw Jesus' body placed in the tomb. At the tomb, they saw the stone roll over it. But in this moment, there's a violent earthquake. The angel of the Lord had come down to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. The Bible says his appearance was like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. The angel isn't talking in present tense or future tense. Uh, the, the angel is talking past tense. Jesus isn't still crucified. He was crucified. You see, oftentimes we can be engulfed in that which we had that we fail to recognize that which will be. If the lady with the issue of blood remained in the mindset of how she used to be healed, she never would have laid hold of the healing that was on its way. If the Samaritan woman remained in the mindset of my ancestors used to worship here, this is our well, we don't exchange things here. She never would have laid hold of the living water that would give her everlasting life. If Zacchaeus remained in the mindset of how he couldn't see Jesus and how people were blocking his view, he never would have come to know salvation. At the tomb, we witnessed and into what was, but we lay hold of what is. I'm preaching to somebody who has watched something come to an end. You've watched something finish. You've watched something come to a close. I'm here to remind you, it's not over. As long as you've got breath in your body, you ought to keep believing, keep trusting, because you have a resurrection to witness. What son or daughter do you need to see come home? What dream do you need to see come alive? What promise needs to be resurrected? What deliverance needs to be manifested? What waters need to part? What healing needs to be released? What addiction needs to be overcome? What curse needs to be broken? What provision needs to come? Because believers are meant to give witness to resurrection. Let me say that again. You are meant to give witness to resurrection. We are meant to uh, give witness to sinners coming home to those dead and trespassers given new life because we serve the God of the empty tomb. Number two, I want to encourage you, you have a message to proclaim. Amen. You've got a message to proclaim. Matthew 28 verse 6 to 7 says this, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. The greatest message, the greatest news in the history of humanity broke on a spring morning in AD 32. The news was this, Jesus of Nazareth, an itinerant preacher man, has actually risen from the dead just like he said he would. And what I love about this news is that the angel is telling the story. 
And the angel didn't tell it to a journalist from 60 Minutes. The angel didn't tell it to the breakfast show or an editor of the Women's Weekly. Uh, The angel told two women, the ones who were entrusted with the most incredible and profound story in all of history were two women. These two women who are on their way to minister to what they thought was a dead body of Jesus. They're on their way to the tomb with their spices. They're about to wrap his body in spices again. But they get there and they find that there is nobody in the tomb. And what I would like to extrapolate from the text this morning is the simple fact that the angel said, come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell the disciples. The angel didn't say, go and tell the disciples and then come and see where he lay. The angel didn't say, leave this place. No, the angel said, come and see and then go and tell. The angel wanted to make sure the two women got a real close-up look at where his body lay. Get a clear vision of where his body lay. Come in and have a look at where his broken and bruised body lay. These two women who had already seen with their two eyes Jesus' body being placed in the tomb are now seeing again with their two eyes Jesus' body no longer in the tomb. They have been entrusted with a message. The message is this, Jesus is alive. What seemed to look like a message of defeat is now looking like a message of victory. And this morning, I'm speaking to people who have seen with their eyes, who have seen close up, who have seen firsthand a situation that was turning bad, a situation that didn't look good, a situation that looked like nothing but death. But somehow, some way, somewhere, someone flipped the script. You didn't know how you were going to feed the kids that day, but someone dropped food off at the door. You didn't know how you were going to make it out of the accident alive, but someone heard your voice. You thought your lack of experience and your lack of education was the reason you didn't get the job until you got that phone call from the agent. You thought that you couldn't make it through your studies and work a part-time because you were tired and weary, but somehow you suddenly felt the strength to carry on, and today you've got a degree. You thought your marriage was broken after five years, you thought divorce was the only way, but somehow a shift happened and you're now happily married for 30 years. You thought you could not get out of debt. You thought that the budgeting course was a waste of time until suddenly a change began to happen in the way that you managed your finances. You're stronger, you're wiser, and you're five years debt-free. You thought you couldn't bear a child. The doctors gave you a prognosis. They've ridden you off, but suddenly you don't feel well. Uh, So you get to the hospital and the doctor says, man, you're carrying and you thought that you thought that coming to church was a waste of time until you got that one invite to go to Sunday morning and now you've been walking happily with the Lord for 40 years that grave situation has been turned into a resurrection situation and you need to know today that witnesses of resurrection have been entrusted with a message the message is this Jesus is alive. He has been resurrected. It means that because of him, we too get to walk in resurrection, not just after death, but we get to walk in it right now. It means death no longer wins. Death no longer has the final say. Jesus has already defeated death. If you had the cure to cancer, you wouldn't just keep it to yourself, would you? You tell your loved ones, you tell your friends, you tell your whole neighborhood in the same way we know the cure to eternal death. How can we not proclaim this message? How can we not tell the world of this good news of his death and resurrection? That which we witness, we must herald. Good news is news too good not to share. You have a message to proclaim. Number three, I want to encourage you and say this. You've got expectations to overturn. 
the first people uh, who were entrusted with the message to preach after the resurrection of Jesus are two women. Jesus picks two of the most unlikely of his followers to be the first witnesses to his resurrection. In doing so, he overturns all the cultural expectations of his day. Furthermore, there were a lot of different ideas and expectations around what Messiah uh, uh, meant. Messiah means anointed one, but for many, they had this understanding and expectation that Messiah meant a military leader who would overthrow the Roman Empire at the time and set the people free from bondage. And so when you said Messiah to a Jew, they immediately thought of a leader who would free the Jews from the rule of Roman Empire. They thought of someone who would establish a new kind of kingdom. This is why Jesus resisted the title Messiah during his earthly ministry, but he claimed it after resurrection. Jesus picked up the title when he had redefined it. Sometimes in the process of witnessing the end of something, what we need to let go of is our understanding and expectation of who God is, what God is going to do, and who he created us to be. Because when Jesus rose again, the old expectation of who the Messiah was and what he was going to do stayed in the tomb. Question, what expectations and understandings that you previously held onto need to stay buried in the tomb? Because that is what witnesses to resurrection do. We overturn expectations. When the world thinks that we should be divided, guess what? We're united. When the world thinks the church is declining, we advance. When the world thinks that we should give into popular expectation, we hold our convictions. When the world says you should lose hope, you stay hopeful. When the world says that you should be overwhelmed, you stay peaceful. When the world says the church is dying, we remain alive. When the world says the church is becoming weak, watch them scatter. We remain strong and we continue to grow. People looking at you, talking about who you used to be, talking about your old self, talking about your grave ways. You continue to pursue God. You continue to walk in humility and in love. Why? Because witnesses of resurrection overturn expectations. It's who we are. Fourth and finally, I want to say this and encourage you with this. You have worship to bring. You've got worship to bring. When the women hurried away from the tomb, the Bible says they were afraid yet filled with joy. They were on their way to the tomb with their spices, but now they're on their way to the disciples filled with joy. Suddenly, Jesus meets them and says, greetings. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. These two women who witnessed Jesus dead on the cross and buried in the tomb have now witnessed Jesus alive. If there was any bit of doubt and any bit of uncertainty in them about whether Jesus was who, who he said he was, the fact that they've not only seen him but now touched his feet made concrete the fact that he truly is the Son of God. And so their response is to worship. Worship is more than just singing on a Sunday morning. Worship has so many facets to it, but the word worship here used in the text is a Greek word, uh, proskuneo. The Greek word means to kiss, as in to kiss the hand of a master. It also means to bow down and lay prostrate on the ground. It is the picture of showing profound reverence and submission to someone. This kind of worship involves the attitude of humility on the person bowing down, and on the other hand, it involves an understanding and recognition um, recognition that one is in the presence of the one who was worthy of worship. It is a physical expression of an inward posture of the heart. And so both Marys are responding in worship to Jesus. You need to know today 
that witnesses to resurrection have joy in their hearts and a song in their mouths. All throughout the Bible, we see people responding to God with worship. They found themselves in a tomb-looking situation, but because of the greatness and the power and the sovereignty and the might of God, they were able to walk out alive. And so they couldn't help themselves but respond in worship. Hannah worshiped because God answered her prayer and gave her a son. David worshiped because God delivered them from the hands of the enemy. The leper couldn't help himself, but come back to Jesus and worship and thank him for the healing. A whole nation began to worship God because he delivered three Hebrew boys from a fire furnace. After being delivered out of Egypt, Miriam gets on up and gets what she she brings. She brings worship. She brings thanksgiving. She picks up the tambourine and she begins to praise God in the middle of the desert. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you've had to witness some things being put into the tomb this past year. You You've had to watch some things die. You've had to watch certain things come to an end in your life. But I want to remind you this morning, you've got worship to bring. Because as long as we are witnesses to resurrection, our response ought to forever be worship, gratitude, and thanksgiving. Amen. If I can ask the team to join me on stage this morning, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, it's a good resurrection Sunday. Amen. Choir, you can join us too. Awesome. Uh, And just as the team make their way up, I want to close this morning. Thank you, team. In 2017, we were headed back to New Zealand from China, uh, from missions in China, And I couldn't help but be moved to tears at the Beijing airport. Having thought about uh, a gentleman that I met while we were over there, uh, his name was Timothy, and he was heavily affected by leprosy. He had his leg amputated. And when I met him, his wounds were fresh, and the blood from his operation had actually seeped through the bandages. Now, because of how they were all isolated and removed from society, They didn't have the luxury of clean living conditions or regular medical help. And so they were left to fend for themselves on a mountain just absolutely away from any sort of support. But we prayed for him and just absolutely believed in God for his healing. And as we were praying, I felt an urge to share the gospel with him. With the help of a translator, we began to share the gospel with this guy. And um, I asked him, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he said, no. And so I asked one last time, and I, and I said, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And his response remained the same. He said, no. And that weighed heavy on my heart. I prayed and I said, God, you hold the power to life and death in your hand. I began to petition with God and say, Lord, heal him. I just began to to ask God for like to do a miracle and for supernatural healing over Timothy, but nothing happened. Fast forward two weeks, we're at the airport on our way back home, and we received a WeChat voice recording from one of the missionaries that we ministered with, and he was in absolute tears, and you could just hear the joy and the laughter in his voice. Our brother Timothy, who I shared the gospel to, had given his heart to Jesus, but not only that, Within two weeks, God miraculously healed 
his leg, the bleeding had completely stopped. I couldn't help but just break down in tears, worshiping and just thanking God for his healing and for the gift of salvation. Just before our first ever lockdown in 2020, I received a messenger from the missionary, you know, who we were in China with. And he reported that our brother Timothy had gone on to be with the Lord. And I just couldn't help but hold back the tears again because I realized that at the tomb, although it's a place where things come to an end, that isn't the reality for we who witness resurrection. Because at the tomb, just, uh, we don't just witness the ending, we, we also witness resurrection. We witness the beginning of something new, something greater, something eternal. And so if you're here this morning and you've given witness to some of life's most difficult challenges and endings in the last year, I want to remind you, you've got resurrection to witness. You've got a message to proclaim. You've got expectations to overturn. And finally, you've got worship to bring. And so I want to close by asking this question of you this morning. Where in your life are you expecting to find an empty tomb?